Hey there, friends. Welcome to the Rose Hour podcast. I'm your host, Renee J. Johnson, and today we have the amazing Stephanie Owens. She actually was a employee of the former first lady and now an employee with her Reach Hire campaign. Yay! Everybody drink rose, rose. So we sip rose. We gonna sip rose, rose. Sip rose. Baby girl, she don't play, don't play. So we sip rose. Hey there, friends. It's me, Renee, here at the Rose Hour Podcast. Pew, 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 pew. And I'm here with Bartender Ben. Yo, 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 yo. Yay. What's going on? What's going on? So, what are you serving us during this 76 week of quarantine? Jeez. Um, je ne sais quoi. Oh, G-N-S-Q, is it? Yes. It comes in a really, really, really pretty bottle. Yeah, it has like a flower on top, like as a cork. Yes. And it looks like a perfume bottle. So it's definitely like one of those bottles you probably like repurpose after you drink. Yeah. And it's yeah. balanced, refreshing, fabulous. It's California, uh, California born with a French accent. Inside every collectible bottle, you'll find attitude, style, and a certain je ne sais quoi that's hard to define and impossible to resist. Kind of like you. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Yes, ma'am. Okay, okay, okay. So how are you dealing with this quarantine? Netflix. Yeah, lots of it. Yes, and lots, sleep. Lots, lots, Netflix, sleep. And oddly enough, like little workouts here and there. You know, I'm doing some push-ups, some, some squats, some crunches, you know. Yeah, you got to keep active because you got to get the blood flowing. We still need to get our 20,000 steps a day. You still got to work it out, people. Yes. So today's interview were with Stephanie, and I'm really excited about it because I met her when I used to work for this organization. Um... And she works for the former first lady uh, and now works for her in this nonprofit. I'm really excited about it. Man, you know a lot of smart people. Because smart people know other smart people. Oh, my God. People knowing people. Oh, my God. Well, let's get into the first interview with Stephanie. Let's do it. Pew, 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 pew. Hey there, friends. Welcome to the Rose Hour Podcast. And today, I am here with one of the most amazing, smart, Marylander. I want to say the best AKA I've ever met on the planet. <laughs> she worked for the, or currently works and worked because it's past and present, uh, for the former first lady, Michelle Obama. Stephanie Owens! Woo! Hey, everybody. Hey, Renee. How are you? Hey, welcome to the Rose Hour. I am excited to be here on the Rose Hour. Yay, yay. Well, we, we, we've been trying to plan, you know, you coming on the show and actually, you know, the COVID-19 made us do it a little different than what we wanted because I wanted to drink with you. Not through a phone with you. <laughs> well, we will definitely do that. So don't worry. Yes. When outside opens back up, we are. When outside is open, I'm going to do a lot. <laughs> so we'll add that to the list. Yes. Yes. We have to make sure that we do that. So Stephanie, I'm just so excited you're here. Um, would love for you to tell the listeners more about like your background, just like who you are, you know, like Stephanie, the, the amazing Stephanie. <laughs> Well, yes, like you said, I'm a, I'm a Marylander, born and raised in the D.C. area, um, and uh, I am currently working in the education policy field. I love education. Um, when I was a little girl, I wanted to be a teacher, Aww. and I, <laughs> I, I, liked, uh, I always liked school, and I, to be honest, I was also really good at school. Yeah, so, you were very smart. Uh, You're very smart. Well, but I, one of the reasons why I like to say that I was good at school is that, you know, school is structured in such a way that really worked for me. And mm. I recognized that school was not structured all the time for everybody in a way that really works. And so, um, so yeah, I think that some people are, you know, literally good at school, right? And so I was good at school 
but wanted other people to also really enjoy their experiences. And even as a kid, I didn't really understand why they didn't, like why they wouldn't, because I thought school was so great. Right. Um, and so as I got older, I realized that there were things that we could do to make school better for everybody. Mm. And that was how I got into um, deciding sort of that I did not necessarily want to be a teacher anymore, but actually work in education policy and change some things in K-12 education. Um, I had an internship when I was in graduate school uh, in Philadelphia, and I worked at the school district of Philadelphia and had a really great experience there. But it was really obvious to me that there was a disconnect between um, what was happening in the younger grades, sort of K through six, K through five, uh, and what was going on in the upper grades. And you start seeing students fall off of their just joy for education, they, they don't, they start, you know, disliking school right around the time about sixth, seventh grade, that transition from elementary school to middle school. Um, and I always found that very curious, but, you know, even thinking back to my own experiences, like I hated seventh grade, like seventh grade was not great. I was awkward. Yeah. And, I like, think everyone <laughs> had like that seventh grade, exactly. like I'm middle not here school. for middle school. <laughs> yeah. Middle school is tough and people, I mean, it, it's kind of like documented that middle school is tough, but it is also at that time when kids, boys and girls, uh, you know, especially boys, start losing a lot of interest in their studies. It's also yeah. that time when, when girls start to fall away from STEM. Mm. Um, and so I became really excited about the middle school era. I, I knew that when I, when I wanted to be a teacher, I actually wanted to be a middle school English teacher. So, oh. yeah, I really liked that, that age group, that time period, and then sort of leading into high school. And what I really learned uh, in Philadelphia was that there was a huge dropout problem, much more than I really saw. And I think for a very long time, that issue was just, you know, kind of brushed under the rug. I will say some people are sort of familiar with the term no child left behind, which mm -hmm, was a, mm -hmm. a bill, a reauthorization of the elementary and secondary education act under George W. Bush. And people were very, very critical of No Child Left Behind, and rightfully so. They, there were a lot of mandates without a lot of money that came with it. But one of the best things that came out of No Child Left Behind was the honesty that there were a lot of kids who were being left behind no matter where they lived. Yep. But for the most part, they were all black or brown, and, yep. and you know, particularly black students and particularly black males. Um, like I said, I grew up in the D.C. area. I grew up in a suburb of D.C. in uh, in a county where the district was considered one of the best in the nation for just decades. Just, you know, top top one, top two, top three. I mean, best of the nation. And it was also a place where you did have, um, you didn't have like a ton of black poverty, but you you had, you know, really solid middle class black families lived in, in this county and live in this county. But what you were seeing was that those kids were also being left behind, even in their very good by, you know, all the metrics and standards um, schools. Right, and right. they were the ones, no matter what, that were, that were underperforming. And you had to stop and say, this isn't just an issue of where kids live. This is an issue all around. And so was really excited about what we could do for high school students and what we could do for middle school students to get them more excited about, about high school and then ultimately get to college. And so I have always wanted to go to college. Different World is one of my favorite shows. Like, <laughs> just couldn't wait. And I wanted other people, especially young Black kids, to recognize what an exciting place college was. And also, frankly, how fun college is. Like, there's no yes. other time in your life. There's no other opportunity in life where you get to have the experience that you have in college, both academically and socially. And just, it's, there's, I just, I love college. I love college Me so too. much. Me too. I yeah. know that, like, right. Like, I had, like, I would go back to college in a heartbeat. And I know. I would go back tomorrow, like, if possible like, like i would do a lot of stuff differently but i would have <sighs> me too like, I would go back to college tomorrow um as long as all my friends could come with me but um <laughs> i just wanted to make sure that kids recognize that one college was a jumping off point for the, for your life and then two that college was attainable um and that was when i got into the college access work in the college access space of helping students to be not only college ready but also career ready and then um sort of towards college attainment and so 
you know, I tell people all the time, my, uh, my grandparents actually met at Howard University and um, I recognized, and it was really ingrained in me by my family. My mom also graduated from Howard that we wouldn't be where we were had it not been for our education. And on top of that, had, had there been any like small thing that could have, you know, derailed us that one, we could always fall back on that college degree, but that it could happen at any moment. And so you really did have to have this thing. Like, like, so college was just, was just knocked into me. Like you, like it, it is so important to have in order to able to to really honestly to live the life that you want to live um, in this world, especially as an African-American, that we just don't have some of the same opportunities fall in our lap and come our way that you might have if you have a college degree. There's already so many things stacked against you. That degree is just so, so, so important. Yeah. Um, And so that became sort of my life's work, my life's goal. And when we were in the Obama administration, I was working at the Department of Education there under Secretary Ani Duncan. Um, I love one of your fellow Chicagoans. And we started along with one of my colleagues, Eric Waldo, um, the Reach Higher initiative while we were there. And uh, essentially, Mrs. Obama and Secretary Duncan had a conversation she wanted to do something in the education space. Um, she was looking to Arnie to tell her, you know, where he thought she would have the best voice. You know, what was what did we really need to do? Um, and the thing that really rose to the top of that list was doing this college access work, helping kids to um, essentially to achieve President Obama's North Star goal that the United States would be first in college attainment again in the world. Wow. Um, we, yeah, we used to be first, you know, for years, you know, the United States was first in everything. Um, you know, all, everybody was going to high school, everybody was going to college, we were doing so much better than everybody else. What has actually happened over the past 20 somebody years or so is that we are not necessarily dropping, but many other developing countries are moving ahead of us. So we are now in 13, 14th place. It, it always kind of goes back and forth. Um, and so, uh, President Obama wanted us to become first in the world again. And so in that, she said, well, let's let's do this initiative where we can talk to kids. And she said, I really want to talk to kids who are like me. Um, she was a first generation college student. She and her brother were the first in her family to go to college. She went to Princeton, as everybody knows, because they all read um, Becoming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that, she found out about Princeton. I mean, she had heard of it before, but she wasn't really looking at Princeton until her brother decided to go there on an athletic scholarship. And here was this woman who, as we all know now, is not only just academically prepared, but, you know, extremely brilliant in what she does. And um, she was actually discouraged from going to Princeton. Yeah, I read that in the book and was totally surprised by that. Like, yeah, it's sadly it happens a lot. And now, you know, she has when when she first told us that story, we were all, you know, sort of shocked. And I think um I think over time uh, of of sort of thinking it through, she realizes now that there could have been many reasons why her school counselor told her that college, I mean that the Princeton wasn't necessarily for her that she should look at some other schools. And it could have been because of money. It could have been because of like, you know, may- maybe that counselor thought that she just wouldn't, it wouldn't be a good fit for her. Yeah. And so, like as a Chicagoan myself, you know, like that different environment that you would be in, like, you yes. know, transitioning from, you know, South Side of Chicago to, yeah. you know, very yeah. Ivy League is, is a and big transition. And she talks about that. Yeah. She is very open about that that transition was tough. And I don't know that she ever fully like transitioned into that, to be honest with you. And I think that's really clear in the book too, that there were, there were, you know, things that happened in her, in her time at Princeton that were just sort of mind boggling. Um, Realizing that the name of a building was also the last name of one of your classmates and recognizing that it wasn't a coincidence. Like that is like, that's mind-boggling for a whole lot of us, right? Yes, yes. So... (laughs) Because whose parents do we really know that they right. have the library at, you know, a prestigious university. Um, Correct. I can say, and, know what I yeah. personally have known. <laughs> right, right. And like, 
old money, long money. I mean, I, I get that. Like it was, I get that that was like, well, this is, what am I doing here? Yeah. Um, but she wanted kids most importantly to recognize that if she could do it, then they could do it too. Um, and that is one of the things I think people really love about her, but also kind of miss. I mean, I think everyone feels like Michelle Obama is their best friend or wants her to be their best friend. I feel like she's mine um, and I've talked to her yeah. only twice in my life for real, for real. Like, yes. <laughs> um, and which is which is a great thing about her personality. She's she's magnetic, um, but I think that she recognizes that you know, especially young women and young men, that they look at her and they say, "Wow, Michelle Obama is this." You know, there's there's memes all the time about her relationship with President Obama, and you know, she's so smart. She's she's everything I want to be, and that that took work, but it yeah. also took some perseverance. It took investing in yourself, and it took saying, "I'm going to take this leap of faith." Um, and I'm going to be ready for it when I get here. And so she wanted kids to know that she really wasn't special. Um, of course, she's special, but she's not a unicorn, right? right? She is just like them. There are plenty of Michelle Obamas, Michelle Robinson running around in the south side of Chicago, in northeast Washington, D.C., yep. in Jacksonville, Florida. They are everywhere, but they just have to, one, believe in themselves don't take no for an answer. And then also just have those tools and resources available to them so that they recognize that, you know what, maybe Princeton isn't where you want to go for plenty of reasons, but there's this other place that is so great right. and such a good fit for you. Yeah. Like for me, I know, I didn't know HBCUs existed until like my sophomore year of college. And I know yes. that sounds really weird to say, but if you don't know anyone that goes to them, especially like I did go to a, a high school that was predominantly white. So mm -hmm. no one was like out here like telling us, oh yeah, by the way, there's a land item, there's a land grant that created HBCUs and, you know, you can go to one, it's cultivating, you know, relationships there and your community, it's a safe haven. No one, no one talks about that. Right. You know, but everyone's like, definitely go to Ivy League. And it's like, okay, I get it. But they're Ivy Leagues of HBCUs. So that point that you're making there is huge because Ivy League isn't for everyone. The state university isn't for everyone. There might be another alternative out there for you. No, absolutely right. I mean, there are so many colleges out there. There are, there are thousands of colleges. And when we talk about college for retire, we're talking about um, a school that gives you a two-year degree, so a community college or a technical school. We're talking about your four-year universities, you know, everything from, I went to the University of Maryland College Park, everything from that to, um, to Slippery Rock University in Pennsylvania to UC Berkeley in California. We're talking about the, mm -hmm. there's, there's so many places you can go in that four-year university spectrum. There are only like a handful of Ivy League universities. We don't need to just tell everyone just to go there. Exactly. But at the same time, we also don't mean, need to make sure that kids don't only know about the option that's down the street. So it's like, if you know of the community college in your neighborhood, or if there's a school that's you know nearby in a 10, 25, 50 mile radius, and that's what you know, or it's like, it's just the state school where they have the best football team that still might not be for you. And yep. we need kids to know that that's not your only option. There's so many options out there for you and, and not to get discouraged when it's like, but I don't think I'm Harvard material or I don't think I am, you know, University of Texas material. Well, I bet that you're a Prairie View a &M material. I yeah. bet that you are, you know, um, uh, you know, name a place. I bet that you're Jackson State material. Yeah. I bet that you're Notre Dame material. I bet that you're University of Montana material. If they, there is some place out Southern there Illinois University Carbondale everybody. material. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, there is some place for everybody. And then also recognizing that college is college. Community college is still college. Exactly. So it's if you want to go into, uh, you know, a trade, if you want to go into construction, if you want to go into medical transcription, there is a need for all of that. And you can do that at the community college level. So it's also about with retired trying to figure out some of the things that you're passionate about. And we're not telling kids they need to figure out their career path when they're 15. But if you know that you love math, that you just you just love math. That's your slow jam. That's you, your thing. Then it's like, well, let's think about all the things that you can do with math. And if the only thing you think you can do with math is like 
computers or be a mathematician or whatever, then it's like, no, let's open up some of these doors for you to realize that there are lots of things you can do with math. Now, I'm not a math person, so I'm not about to jump out here and say all those fun things you can do. But there are plenty of things. <laughs> there are things that, that you, you can, can Google do. and find exactly. out. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, I was a government major. And um, yes, I did work in, in policy, but I'm not working there now. And I could do my job without having a government degree. So that just shows like no no one's path is, is that straightforward, especially not anymore in this economy and this world. Yeah. So reach higher. Talk more about that. I think there's a lot of people who have heard of reach higher and like college signing day and how that came to be, because I know you are very, very important uh, person that made that a reality for so many years and like being innovative right now for that. Yeah, so like I said, my colleague and I, Eric Waldo, started to reach higher um, out of the Department of Ed and then out of Mrs. Obama's office back in 2014. Um, we were joined by a really, really wonderful, also Chicagoan, um, Greg Darneter, who is a just college access guru who really did a lot in the Chicago public school system. To Shout out, Greg. College <laughs> access. Shout out, Greg. Greg is amazing. Um, you know, he he Chicago is really doing the thing right now where it comes to college access. There's a lot of really good things coming out of Chicago. And Greg was a big part of that. He's, he's, he's super humble. He was not the only person who was a part of it, but he was a big part of helping to make that happen. So um, so we celebrated College Signing Day in 2014 in San Antonio, Texas, um, because San Antonio had made College Signing Day a part of their entire sort of citywide celebration in, in May. Um, and College Signing Day is uh, it, it is a moment where we celebrate students who are who are going to college by having them, you know, quote unquote, sign on the dotted line to make that commitment. It comes out of the tradition in college athletics and high school mm-hmm, athletics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those those student athletes signing where they're going to go to play this this sport, that, you know, during their college years. Um, and, you know, Secretary Duncan actually went to a college signing day at Yes Prep um, High School in Texas um, a couple of years prior to that. And he said you, you can actually it's it's on um, it's on YouTube under sort of Yes Prep signing day. He said, you know, he, this was a guy who played professional sports. He played professional basketball. And so he he loves, but he still plays basketball all the time. Yes. He's, been in the, um, <laughs> he's been in the all-star game for like years. And so- And has a said, good jump shot too. Yeah. Has a great jump shot. And he's, <laughs> yeah, he's, Arnie's great. Arnie, I love Arnie. Arnie is great. And so, um, you know, he said, you know, he, he had his own sort of signing moment, you know, many years ago. And he said- Every kid should have this moment. Every kid should have this signing day because all of these kids are going to be important. And no matter where you're going to school, no matter how you're going to continue your education, we want to celebrate you. And so, of course, Mrs. Obama loved that. Again, you know, her brother played um, college and in and professional basketball. So it wasn't like something that was out of her you know, realm or whatever. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. um she loved it. She was like, yeah, we should be celebrating all these kids and with the same excitement and gusto that we celebrate student athletes. And so we went to San Antonio. We had our first college signing day down there. It was so much fun. Um, we were at University of Texas, San Antonio with the Roadrunners. We had a great, great time. And we were like, we're going to do this again. Um, and so at that event in 2014, we announced our new name and we announced our logo and, uh-huh. and you know, retire was really bored. And so every year since then, we have celebrated College Signing Day. We've been in Detroit. Um, we've been in New York City twice. We've been in Philadelphia. Uh, last year, we celebrated at UCLA with over 10,000 students. Wow. Um, and so that was just, it was amazing to see. Um, you can watch it on uh, the bettermakeroom.org. Um, it's our sister organization. You can watch the the whole live stream from last year. Uh, we, we've had some amazing talent join us. Some, you know, some big name celebrities, Usher, John Legend, um, Jadena, Zendaya. Yes. Uh, we've had like a, Robert De Niro came oh. out. I mean, we've had some fun with folks to help celebrate kids going to college and saying you are worth it. This is what you should be doing no matter where you're going. If you're going to the military, we consider the military. It's just about having a plan after high school because what we know and what I think most of us sort of know, um, you know, kind of from our lives, but what we see is that people who go to college 
and who graduate from college. And again, that, that includes a two-year university, includes a four-year university, make on average over the course of their lifetime over a million dollars more yeah. than someone who only has a high school diploma. Um, the economy, and we're seeing now with everything going on with COVID, no one knows what's going to happen to the economy right now. But all, the new jobs that were created after the last um, uh, recession, um, 99% of those jobs that were created required some form of education past high school. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about real, real dollars, real money, um, real opportunity that comes out of, out of having a plan once you leave your high school doors. And that doesn't even like begin to scratch the surface of having a high school diploma. I mean, if, if you drop out of high school, there just really are no more options out there for you. Except yeah, for, you can't even um, get a job at McDonald's anymore uh, without yeah. at least a high school diploma or GED. Yep. So it's like, I mean, you can you can start in high school but, sort of that way, but like you're not going to be able to move up. Yeah. Um, and... And McDonald's recognizes this, right? They actually have a really fantastic program where they work with their um, mm-hmm. with their team members, the folks who are at McDonald's, to help them to get those either community college or four year degrees. I mean, employers are are recognizing more and more how important it is for their employees, whether it be in the service industry or whether it be something all the way up to law firms and medical offices or whatever, that their folks need to have. Degrees, so we're seeing these programs pop up, um, it, especially in the fast food industry. Taco Bell, um, Chipotle, Starbucks. Starbucks. <laughs> yes, Starbucks has a huge yeah. program where they—it's called SCAP. Um, they have a huge program where they are helping their employees to complete their college degrees, and so they recognize it's, it's like if they know it, then clearly something is going on here. They need their folks to be, um, to have this higher education, this education past high school. And we like to call it college. I mean, it yeah. is college. Uh, there, a lot of folks kind of give us flack on having college signing day. They say, well, what if, what if my student is not going to go to college? And my answer to them is, well, your student should be going to college. And you know that your students should be going to college. And I don't mean a four-year university. I'm saying that they should be doing something after high school. It's called community college for a reason. It is yeah. still college. It is still collegiate. And we need to change that stigma. And, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So it's a super important day for us. We, um, we usually celebrate on May 1st because that's the day that most colleges, most four-year colleges require students to make the commitment to come to their school the following year. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. This year with COVID-19, a lot of that is changing. Um, there are many schools, not all, but there are many schools who are actually pushing back their deadline for students to make that commitment. Um, oh, just because like, yeah, I mean, this is, it's, I, I think many, many, many students have already made the decision where they're going to go to school. Um, but they might be waiting for their financial aid package to come through. They may be trying to, you know, choose between two universities who's going to give them more money to attend because college costs is a whole nother conversation, but it's, it's gotten ridiculous with the cost of college um, across the board. It doesn't matter. And so, um, so we know that there are some students who are waiting to make that decision, but we also know that there are lots of kids who have already decided when they're going to go or will make that decision by May 1st. So we're going to celebrate students online, on social media with the hashtag college signing day, oh, um, the hashtag better make room. Yeah, we're going to start on May 1st, but we'll be doing it throughout the entire month of May, rolling into June. Whenever students are making those decisions, you will see us, you will see Mrs. Obama, you will see all of our celebrity friends celebrating students online, on social media. Um, we might be doing a couple TikToks even, so yes! that, that'll be our way of kicking some things off. Or I can't wait to see you dancing. Yes. Oh, I don't think I'll be on there, but somebody will be on there. <laughs> I don't, okay, Eric will probably be the one doing it because I can be see somebody. Eric doing it. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's just be real. I have not had my hair done in a couple weeks. Uh, like, that's a whole uh, nother I'm, podcast. I'd say I'm 
learning how to do my own stuff, but it ain't quite, you know, TikTok ready. So it's not ready for prime time. <laughs> don't but, worry. I have um, some messed up cornrows that I did myself and I don't know how to braid. So I'm, I'm in the look same boat. You. Wait, you don't know how to braid? So yeah, another day, another podcast. There's a whole thing about <laughs> Black women in hair care that we need to teach ourselves and I'm learning the lesson now. <laughs> and see, there, one of the things I tell kids all the time about going to college, especially young Black kids, is like, when you go to college, there's so many things that you learn that have nothing to do with your academics. Oh there's God. so many things that you learn that have nothing to do with what's going on in the classroom. Now, I will say, this, this is going to sound real bad, but I did not learn how to wrap my hair until I got to college. Oh, I no, don't feel bad. I, I learned that too. And I also <laughs> learned... Listen, I learned how to burn CDs. I know that's illegal, but you know, it was college it back, in, back in the it day. Yeah, it was then. illegal yeah. then. Uh, <laughs> burn CDs. Also, like, make shirts. Uh, <laughs> right. I also could get my hair braided for $25 and it would look so awesome. I can get my yep. hair done for $30 because there's also other students who, you know, have great skills, you know, that should have started businesses back in college because God knows how much they would have really made by now if they had an LLC back, you know, in 1999 in college. Right, um, right. But yeah, there were so many things that I learned on campus and just from other people and like the, communal, people. the community and like living in the dorms and like learning how to cook. Like I did not know how to cook before college. My roommate and learned how to do laundry. Like there's right. so many things. That happens so often. And just, just learning about people. Um, we did an event a couple of years ago. It was one of the one of the last events that we did um, in 2016 uh, while the Obamas were still at the White House. We went to um, Howard University and um, Nick Cannon, the great Nick Cannon, Yay! was going back to college. It was his, it was his first year back um, at college. His, his whole thing was, I have been very successful. I think we all know that he, that he is very successful. I mean, Mariah Carey but, was his ex-wife. That's, I mean, that's right. is something in its own. Uh, <laughs> basically, everything on Nickelodeon has Nick Cannon's name exactly. on Exactly. Uh, on the low, on the low. It's real low key. He yep. like, basically owns Nickelodeon. Um, but he said, I have accomplished all these things, but the one thing I have not accomplished is getting a college degree. And I think that it is important to go back and 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 not just educate myself, but to learn from other people who are also smart. I mean, mm. I also hear so often people will talk about, oh, well, you know, the the internet has so much on it. You can just learn something from the internet. I mean, the internet is great. Don't get me wrong. But there is something to be said about being in a, in a room with other people who are um, maybe not necessarily like-minded, where you can have a real debate about an issue, whether it be yes. something in science or something in government. And so when we were at this event at Howard, this back to school event at Howard, we also did it with um, Seth Meyers. And uh, there's a there's a great, um, there's actually a great skit that he did with Mrs. Obama. They had the, these kids who were at Howard um, who thought they were just going to be sort of on the Seth Meyers show and they were asking questions of him. And then um, they were talking about Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama would pop out. It was, like, it was really Aww. cute. You can also find that on YouTube. Um, but um, but Seth said uh, something that really stuck with me, and he said that he went to Northwestern, another another Chicago. And yes, there you go. yes, the um, connections. He was from <laughs> the right. He was from you know sort of the the northeast part of the country, like Connecticut or Rhode Island, something like that. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. um, he just he said you know the great thing about college is you get this whole new set of friends, and he said you have your zip code friends. But then you have your college friends. Yes. And you call them your zip code friends because, you know, most people go to public school or if they don't go to public school, they go to a school that's nearby their home, right? In yep. the same zip code. Yep. And part of why you are friends with that person is because of proximity, frankly. Yeah. Like they're the kids you grew up with. And, and you may have totally different interests, but these are the people you grew up with. These are the people you know. Those are your zip code friends. And there's nothing wrong with having zip code friends. But when you go to college, you start meeting these people who are totally outside of your zip, zip code. code. They may use different slang. They may like talk different. They have different accents. They have totally different experiences. Even people who you think look a whole lot like you, even some stuff that maybe you do share. There's some things that you have in common, but there's probably some things that are very different about their lives than about the life that you lived in your zip code. And when you, when you get to have that experience, you realize just how big the world is and how much 
um, there's, there's left to learn. So it's like, yes, if you are self-motivated, you absolutely can go to Khan Academy, which is a great online experience for, um, for learning some new things. YouTube has everything on it. I definitely tell people, I think that you should do that, especially right now when you can't go outside. Yeah, but it's but not the, the same. same time, it's not the same thing. It's just, it's not the same thing. And you don't have that same experience of learning with others and of having those experiences with others of like learning new, new words and actions and tools and just, you know, learning about how other people live. And when you do that, you make the world that much smaller. And so, um, and I think that that's true, even if you are at a community college, even if those people are still in your zip code, you realize how big maybe your zip code is and how many different people are part of that zip code and that experience. Yeah. And another point that I learned in college was about myself and that mm-hmm. everything about my zip code friends is not the reality of the world. Right. Yes. Because, you yes. know, we became friends um, probably like kindergarten because we both had on like pink shirts and yes. we became friends. And, you know, we went all the way to high school, but, you know, went to different colleges and realized we are so different from each other, but never learned our differences because we just had that one commonality in kindergarten. And so that's what it was. Um, yep. But your college friends, it's like you have to find your tribe in college. Um, exactly. And that's what exactly. I love the most because it was like, okay, I actually like people who do these things. I don't right. actually like people who do those things. So it, right. it's such a amazing moment when you are there, whether it's community, whether it's going to the army, whether it's going to a four-year institution or an apprenticeship. Um, yep. You learn so much and about the people around you. And I love that analogy about zip codes. So I, yeah, I, I, that one, that really stuck with me. I was like, of all the places we're sitting here at at Howard University and this, this like, (laughs) you know, and and he was very, he he was very honest about it. He was like, yeah, I know I'm from like, super Connecticut, like whatever. (laughs) But he was like, but I guarantee you there's some things that are very, similar in our experiences and you would have never known it. And he, you know, his thing is like, I would have never known it if I had just stayed there. Um, And that's not to say that everyone has to pack up and go away to school. I mean, I went to college like about 10 miles, 20 miles from my house, but I tell you all the time, it was a whole new world for me. Like I I went to a small high school, I went to a small all girls high school when I got to this big campus and there were all these people and like, you know, I, I grew up in the D.C. area listening to go-go music like it was just regular stuff. I got there and there were all these people from all these different places who had never heard of any of that. They Self-included. Never heard I was band. like, who is exactly. this? Who <laughs> is Chuck Brown? Mind, like, what are y'all talking about? What are y'all talking about? You Like, I know it's a D.C. thing, but you've never heard of it? And it was like, no, we've never heard of it. And we all they all thought it sounded bad. And it was like, okay, well, y'all can go home with that. But, right. You're going to love it by the time uh, you graduate. Exactly. <laughs> and if you don't, too bad. But like, right. but then you realize, oh, we've got all this other stuff in common. And all these other things that you just never would have thought about. I took a woman's studies class like my first year of college and was like, this is amazing. Not sure what I'm going to do with it. Not sure. Like, <laughs> what I'm supposed to take this information. government. Yeah. But... You know, I took enough classes where I got a certificate in it and I loved women's studies. I never would have experienced that had I not had um, that opportunity. And it was, you know, it was a class I took for credit. So it wasn't like it was just like, oh, this is fun. No, it was like a real class. But I would have never really thought to, you know, think like, am I a feminist? What am I thinking about? No one was talking about that back in 2000. And so. Yeah. But it expanded your worldview. Absolutely. And and made you shape your worldview a little differently than what you already had. So that's amazing. So of course, I know people are going to want to know this answer because who wouldn't, right? So you worked (laughs) with the former first lady who was forever the first lady, Miss Michelle Obama. (laughs) What is your most memorable moment with her that you've not talked about already because <laughs> you have her. a lot okay. you have a lot of memorable moments because you you guys are great partnership and you know working for her I know is amazing and I I would never stop <laughs> if I were you <laughs> and unless she's like hey Stephanie start, start a corporation that helps kids like this right well and I and I'll say <laughs> I do not think that she would encourage me to just stay at retire for forever she would tell me like you can expand your wings you can do some other things who who else needs your expertise and um what I really 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 appreciate about her and that I hope people picked up when they were reading the book is that she's really really 
funny. Mm-hmm. And and she's kind of silly, but like, but she's funny. And so I I will remember um we were in a meeting in her office in the East Wing, which was always just amazing to me. But um and she made a joke. And it was it, it was something that I that I got and a lot of I think other people didn't really get. It was a pop culture reference that was um about someone who was also an African-American woman. And <laughs> it was a funny joke. And I cracked up. I mean, I almost like forgot where I was. <laughs> and like no one else thought it was that funny, but I think it was something I didn't really get it. But I thought it was hilarious. And in that moment, one, I was like, whoa, you need to like check yourself, wait. Because <laughs> I was like, everyone's just gonna think you're being a brown noser. You don't want that. But I was like, this woman is really actually very funny and she's very real. Um, but I will have to say that really the most memorable moment that I had with her was um, she did a speech for a graduation at Tuskegee University. And I implore everyone to go back and either read or watch that speech. Again, it's all on YouTube and you can read it um, on the White House sort of archives website. But it was just an amazing amazing speech. And when she prepares to give um, a speech, she really prepares. I mean, yeah. I don't want to like, you know, compare her to the current administration that much, but you really do see the difference in what it means to oh, totally. prepare and know what you're doing. And, and, it doesn't pla- just go for and, and what plagiarism really is. <laughs> right. That she's really but great that people will plagiarize. A when lot. she would when she would write a speech, number one, she would write those speeches. I mean there are there are speechwriters there who help, but they um one, one of the things that's so great about the, the speech writing team for both her and for you know President Obama, and I'm assuming for lots of other politicians, is those speech writers really do become, um, they get inside your head in a, in a good way. And they just enhance what you're already doing, yeah. right? And so she had an idea for, you know, some of what she wanted to talk about in that speech. And I remember um, we were sitting in her office and she was practicing. She practiced multiple times. Um, she would practice. You could tell she would practice at home. She would Aww. practice in front of the mirror. And because she wanted to get it right. And it was important to her that they got the, the nuances right, that there was a, a lot of fact checking. I don't know what this administration is doing, but <laughs> I don't believe they, they know what a fact sure, is. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> she wanted her facts to be on point. And so, um, she was she was practicing this speech, and so she was practicing in front of us as an audience and in front and using a teleprompter. And part of why she would have us there, uh, especially as the, the education people for this speech, is to make sure that she was hitting the right sort of education tone. So I was my one of my jobs was to listen to make sure that you know that actually the facts about whatever the educational issue were correct but then also that she was just hitting the right tone of the administration and, you know, what we were, you know, trying to convey. And so we were sitting there listening to her practice this speech and it was for Tuskegee University and she gets to the end of it. And there have been a lot of metaphors about flying, but, you know, sort of disillusioned back to the Tuskegee Airmen and, um, the room was silent What? <laughs> and I didn't want to be the first person to say something. But I, and I was, I wanted to choose my words Carefully. correctly yeah. because I just will never forget. She, she looked at us like, what, like, what, like, what, like, what did I do wrong? And the, the point was she did nothing wrong. It was perfect. Wow. And it was perfect because she had, you know, garnered the emotion of what that speech meant, of what it meant for her to be at Tuskegee, of what, you know, historically, what what was going on in Alabama and the civil rights movement about the Tuskegee Airmen, just and and about how important it was for her to be going to a school like Tuskegee um, in that moment. And I will just never forget what that felt like. And and I went with her when she gave the speech, and I remember riding in the motorcade. And once you kind of get off the highway and back towards the school you would see families coming out and watching us come. And to see these young Black children and families knowing that that it's her, right? And waving American flags and waving and saying, we love the Obamas with, you know, signs. I will never 
forget how that felt. And those were the moments of just of like true privilege of being in this space, um, but of also not taking any of it for granted for why we were there. We were there as true public servants. Um, and that's what I love about government. It's what I love about education. And it's why it'll always be part of what I do. Stephanie, this is exactly why I had to have you on. Like, <laughs> that is just so amazing because I think people get so sensationalized in what a motorcade is and like, oh, like, that's so awesome. But like the moment you remember best and how that, that was, that's touching. I'm sorry, you got me tearing up over here. <laughs> don't tear up, don't tear up. Because it's so amazing. So, and like, you know, I remember being in motorcades because I worked for um, leadership in the Senate. But like, mm-hmm. I've never had a moment like that. Usually we're like, get out of here. <laughs> um, <laughs> hurry up and go. Um, but to hear this story, it really resonates um, in the positive of what happens in politics and um there are lots of people out here who are still doing good work. And you're one of those people who are, you know, from another administration, still doing the great work for people and helping kids to understand like your future matters. And there's people who care, who want to make sure you understand the decisions you make today impact you in the future. So thank you for all you do on that. So I asked. Well, thank you. It's fun. (laughs) I I do. I love my job. I really do. And I can't imagine um, sort of not being and a space to help people. Um, and like I said, uh, you know, I, I say all the time, Howard raised me and it, it raised me because my grandparents were like, yeah, it's Howard. That's it. That's all. Like, that's it. And so, <laughs> right. You're HBCU, was just, Howard U. You, the real HU, as they say. <laughs> the real HU. Um, but, you know, it was just, it was always in me that it was like, this is, uh, you know, it, we, my I, I don't know. Like, I, it's just my my parents have seen some things as, as children of, of the 60s. And, and yeah. you know, uh, my dad went to segregated elementary schools or he went to segregated schools all throughout. I mean, I mean, not just elementary schools from Virginia. Um, you know, my grandfather was from Chattanooga, Tennessee. I can only imagine wow. some of the things that he saw yep. growing up um, and the experience he had the first time that he stepped on Howard's <laughs> campus and like, I can I cannot take that for granted, and I I can't um I it would be doing them a true disservice if I did not pay it forward to other students, especially other students who look like me. You are just truly amazing. I appreciate the work you, Eric, Don, uh, the whole team. Like your whole team is so amazing. Um, and for people who don't know how I know Stephanie. We met when I worked for a, a Civic Nation program as well. Uh, we were housed under the 501c3 there together with our different programs. And Stephanie always had a bright smile on her face. It was always like getting things done. You just, uh, you're everything that people should aspire to be. And I just oh, thank you for being so you. <laughs> thank you. Well, I ask everybody, of course, of course, I ask everybody this as the last question. I mean, because we can go on for hours and I feel like there needs to be a part two, which will probably take place next week sometime. Because uh, <laughs> you, you you have a life, you have a life story. Uh, but the last question for Shay is, what is your favorite adult beverage? So, um, you know, I am actually a really big beer drinker. If I, I would have never guessed that. I, I, most people are shocked when they um, see me drink beer, which I'm like, really? Come on, y'all. Seriously, like, come on. (laughs) It's beer. (laughs) I love beer in another life. uh, Or if I ever get a garage, I want to learn how to make my own beer. Like, I'm so excited. So I I really do um, love beer. And so one of my favorite, um, my favorite brewer is, is out of Delaware, um, near Rehoboth Beach, where I love to go. It's my happy place. Oh, it's yeah. called Dogfish Head. And so Dogfish, you can get Dogfish Head um, nationally, but they're a craft brewer out of Milton, Delaware. And they have um, a brew called Miles Davis Bitches Brew. Ooh, and it is I like delicious. the sound of it. It's that. like a fancy <laughs> beer. And it comes in a bottle that actually looks like a champagne bottle, kind of like, uh, or a wine bottle. Um, so it is, it is not, um, it is not your kind of regular run of the mill, um, out of the draft. Although I do love a good draft beer. Um, but yeah, Miles Davis Bitches Brew is one that I recommend to any and everybody. Um, it, it doesn't taste like how you think beer tastes. 
uh, that tastes more like a wine, which is a lot of fun. Ooh. Well, it sounds I like... I like wine. I'm not going to act like a dog. I, do, I love wine. <laughs> which uh, is why you probably like that COVID. beer. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> but I do. I love, I love that beer. And I, I love beer. I love beer. Well, it sounds like we definitely need to, as soon as Outside opens, go to this brewery and maybe do an episode there. Oh, totally. What? Totally. Totally. Oh, that be? <laughs> <laughs> well, Stephanie, I want to thank you so much for giving us time this Saturday night during COVID Shelter in Place 2020. Dun, dun, yes. Dun. yes. <laughs> it needs theme music. <laughs> um, and I hope you, your family are doing well. Um, we thank you again so much. Any parting words? <laughs> just, you know, just everybody just retire. Everyone's celebrating college. Um, we are going to all get through this together. Listen to the experts we need. <laughs> we need to have yes. the experts in the room. They know what they're talking about and stay inside so that we can all go back outside. Yes. And uh, outside opens up sooner rather than later because I am, um, I, I, have, I have said throughout this whole thing, like I um, I thought I knew I've always been an, an extrovert, but I also knew that I have this real introverted side. There's these moments where I actually really like being alone. And this has proven to me that, no, I am an extrovert. I like to be outside. <laughs> I need people. I need to be around people. Like I have tried to come with any excuse to go to the grocery store. And I just. We need yeah, more toilet paper. Time. And I know there's no more. So I need to go just right. to check. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, those just everybody stay healthy stay happy and, you know, do what you got to do. And everybody post on May 1st and throughout the month of May with the hashtag college signing day, wear your t-shirt from where you went to college. Um, congratulate the new students who are going to be coming into your school, the class of 2020. They really need it. They're not going to have their graduations this year. They're not, They're not having proms. Prom. Oh. All that fun stuff that you do as a senior. No They're trunk parties. Get to do it. So, oh. Exactly. So, mm. you know, you know, virtually hug a senior if you know one. Um, and, you know, if you did go to college, congratulate those who are coming to yours on social media on May 1st. If you didn't go to college, congratulate somebody for making that decision to go. Amen to that. Well, again, Stephanie, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you here at the Rose Hour thank Podcast. Thank you, Renee. I'm glad to be here anytime. Pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew, pew. Wow, such a great interview. Thanks, Stephanie, so much. And so many gems. Want to thank you so much for taking the time out during this quarantining season to have a sip with me during the Rose Hour podcast and talk about all the amazing things you're working on and done in your life. It's it's just so amazing to hear these awesome stories during such a daunting time. Want to thank all of our guests, Stephanie, bartender Ben. Want to make sure everyone is having a great time out there during quarantine season. So catch us next week here at the Rosie Hour podcast for another episode. But until then, go to our social media. We are the Rosie Hour podcast on all social media platforms. And, you know, binge, binge, listen to all of our episodes and join us this Thursday on Instagram Live for our virtual happy hour. And this Sunday for Soulful Sunday with Soul Terror, which reads tarot cards for people live. It's pretty freaking awesome. Again, thank you so much for listening to us this week. And don't forget, send a donation to your local sommelier, to your local bartender. Shout out to all the service industry people and continuing friends. Sip, sip. Hooray! Baby girl, she don't